to the Red Light Report, your number one source for all things red light therapy, where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. All right, guys, welcome back to yet another episode of the Red Light Report. And on today's episode, I have a dear friend, Sean Wells. Many of you have probably heard of him if you're into the biohacking side of things. But let me give you a quick rundown of his massive rap sheet here. So bear with me. But this guy is kind of the jack of a lot of trades and the master of many as well. So he's a product formulator and an expert in the fields of performance, nutrition, longevity, fitness, and supplementation. Sean is a registered dietitian with a decade of experience as chief clinical dietitian in hospital and skilled nursing facilities, and is also a certified sports nutritionist and has worked with celebrity clients and professional athletes. Dubbed as the world's greatest formulator, also a biohacktivist, that's with an H, biohacktivist, and keto authority, Sean has faced and overcome significant obstacles in his own health, weight issues, depression, autoimmune, cervical disc replacements, pituitary adenoma, so a brain tumor. So he's dealt with a lot. And it's these health problems that Sean faced that ultimately led him to find science-based solutions and sparked his personal passion for biohacking. On top of all of that, Sean is a co-founder of the popular patented ingredients teacrine and dynamine which are featured or used in over 300 products worldwide. He also has worked on patents on exogenous ketones, glucose tolerance agents, amongst other things. He is also the CEO of Zone Halo Research, which is a consulting group for supplement formulations, sourcing, manufacturing, marketing, and regulatory compliance work. He was selected to be one of the internationally recognized experts interviewed in the globally recognized documentary series, The Real Skinny on Fat. Lastly, as you could probably guess, Sean has spoken on stages across the world at conferences and has been a guest on countless highly popular podcasts. So without further ado, Sean, pleasure to have you on board and thanks for taking time out of your day (laughs) to be on the the Red Light Report. Thank you. Like it's, you know, a lot of times like uh, when I'm on podcasts, like that gets recorded on the side and I'm like, wow, this is, there's a lot to this. I could have done that. I could have done it. No, no, no. Like, it's it's funny because, like, I'm just, like, it's honestly, like, I used to, like, almost be embarrassed about, like, like all these things. It's like, is this, like, bragging? Is this too much? But then, like, now I'm at a point where it's, like, I actually feel, like, so blessed, like, about everything I've done and accomplished and I made it to the the top of my profession. And I have been through a lot. It's exciting, like in in so many ways. Like I'm I'm now hitting a point where I I'm not like shy about it or embarrassed about it. I'm like truly proud of it. It's really interesting to to hear the whole thing. So anyway, <laughs> I'm glad I could give you a trip down memory lane, so to speak. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's kind of a good segue. You travel a lot, like a crazy amount. I mean, kind of give us a breakdown of your travel schedule for 2022 and what are some of the recent events you've uh, been attending? Probably 85, 90% of the year I'm traveling Costa Rica, Toronto, Montreal, Turks and Caicos, Cabo, Italy, like Sardinia, Turkey, Egypt, India, Amsterdam, Prague, 
there's <laughs> Miami, New York, LA, Austin. I mean, it, there's a lot Milwaukee, like a lot of places that I'm traveling one because I'm speaking on stages two because of masterminds that I'm in, um, you know, high level networking and then three because of clients that I have where I formulate uh, supplements. I serve on uh, advisory boards and in biohacking uh, devices, supplements, you know, a number of kind of science applications, uh, some like functional food companies and, you know, things like that. It's a lot of travel and they all sound like incredible places. It all sounds super fun. And for the most part, it is. I think it's just the bulk of it being so much so often is something that I might have to like ratchet down in 2023 a bit. I'm actually going to be in China for a month uh, in March. Like, you know, so I, I do travel a lot. I've been very blessed and things have exploded during that time because of that travel, if I'm being honest. I think during this this period of time when people are afraid to travel, that's when I doubled down. I really decided that it was important that I see people in person. All my businesses, I have a one which is World's Greatest Formulator, which is my marketing and education platform where I have the book, the speaking engagements, the podcasts, the TV documentaries, my newsletter, websites, all the social media stuff. And then I have another company called Zone Halo Research or Zone Halo Formulations now, where we do, like you were mentioning, formulations, regulatory, marketing, due diligence to get ready for acquisition and, and mergers, bring on investors, all those kinds of things. We're now really taking on a, a lot of things as well, like like distribution even and managing parcel you know, kind of stuff as well, like, like getting re really into the minutia of like all aspects of a supplement company. And then the last one is Ingenious Ingredients, where I have three partners, where we come up with unique and novel ingredients. You know, that's led to ingredients like the tea greens and dynamines. Um, some of my newer ones with this group would be Parazanthine, which is a caffeine metabolite, we can we can talk about maybe in the show, and then dilucine, which is a an anabolic uh, peptide that is about sixty to eighty percent better gram for gram over leucine, which was kind of the gold standard for muscle protein synthesis. And so, you know, we're doing studies and in intellectual property filing and getting grass, which is generally recognized as safe, so that it can be used in food and beverage and. And this costs millions of dollars per ingredient, takes several years. So like we have a whole pipeline of ingredients. And so all of that is, is what's been happening. I also serve as chief science officer for this uh, company, NNB, out of China. And I work on a lot of their marketing and, and help them come up with new unique ingredients as well. So, so there's a lot that I do, but like being out and about and traveling and being in person and connecting and spending time like has has really helped all all of these things really grow dramatically. So it's it's been a good year. It's been a lot, but very blessed for sure. Definitely, I remember uh, when we met in person for the first time in Miami ten months ago. At this point, but you briefly showed me your schedule on your phone. I think it was on like a Google calendar, and it was insane. <laughs> All the overlaps and all the things you have scheduled on a weekly basis was for a team of people, let alone an individual person. So 
yeah, this guy's schedule is busy to say the least. Uh, so lucky to get him on the podcast here. Speaking of traveling though, Sean, I don't travel a lot, a lot, but the past couple of weeks I traveled to Dallas, came back to my home for a day, traveled to Salt Lake City for a while, then just got back home several hours ago. And even just that little bit, and I'm crossing one time zone at the most, kind of does a number on my body and mind, the fatigue and, you know, just everything getting off and on planes. So it's like, how do you deal with that with your schedule going across oceans and changing all those time zones? How do you keep your mind and your body right with all that traveling? It's a great question. And, you know, one of the things I do, there's actually data around this is I, one, fast, like when I'm flying, when you eat food, it, it kind of sets you into this, like as your time zone, I try and stay flexible by fasting one. And then two, I skip sleep. I plan on, there's a great app for this that can tell you when to eat, when to go to sleep, when to have caffeine called time shifter. And so I've been using that, but I was already doing this like kind of on my own with maybe less technical skill prior to this app that I've just got into recently. But that's the idea. Like, you know, when I come back from Europe, I could sleep on that whole flight, but like I usually like wait until it's, you know, seven, eight o'clock at night. And then, you know, when I get back and then crash, it seems to work for me to skip the sleep and what would be the day of where I'm going and, and to skip eating helps me out a lot. So those are, those are some big things. And, and I really don't do caffeine. I do use this caffeine metabolite that I've worked on but I don't do caffeine. It just doesn't work well for me. I have a lot of side effects and, you know, brain fog and just agitation and tachycardia. Like it, it just, me and caffeine don't do great. So a lot of it is setting yourself up for the destination you're going, like you're saying, yeah. meal wise and uh, I guess circadian rhythm with, with the light. Let's jump into your book. It's behind me. If you're watching this video on YouTube called the energy formula, I believe it came out about a year ago at this point, Sean. Yeah. And it lives up to its name, utilizing the various tactics to optimize your energy. And of course, with, with the audience here with red light therapy, of course, we're uh, very passionate about our energy. And like, to your point, not about the caffeine energy, but just energy to carry out our daily activities at an optimal level. And so this book that Sean put out, there's, uh, let's see, six different categories, it looks like. One's experiment, one's nutrition, one's exercise, and then routine, growth in your tribe. And just for the purpose of not being redundant, not saying that this information is, but I think we get a lot about the biohacking, the nutrition and the exercise. So could you quickly just give a rundown of what people do to optimize their energy for routine growth and your tribe? Yeah, that's like what I like about this this book, as you're pointing out, is like it starts out kind of like the most technical with experiments. So you're like, it's a lot of the uh, devices and tests and, you know, epigenetics and blood work and whatever, and these wearables and all that kind of stuff. And then nutrition, like we get into like the keto and the paleo and, you know, vegan and carnivore and, and Mediterranean and the best ways to execute on that and exercise. I have a lot of hacks there, like, you know, how to do like a blood flow restriction and interset stretching and like some of these kind of new scientific hacks that can save a lot of time. But it's like, as you go, like, I feel like I go from, you know, giving them what they want to giving them what they need. And it just kind of flows that way. So routines, part of my interruption, but for people that are listening, um, if you didn't figure it out, the acronym experiment, nutrition, exercise, routine, growth, your tribe, 
spells out energy. So just for people, because you're pointing to the book, and that was a good reminder, the acronym is energy. Yeah, exactly. So routines gets into like circadian rhythm. And, you know, that's really profound. And there's actually like one of my favorite books that I have here as well is Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. And in this book, he found that there was like basically two commonalities of all these people. I mean, in in this book, there's, I mean, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger, you have like the world-class chess players and, you know, people that are artists, people that are politicians, people that are, you know, Rhonda Patrick, like people of like so many different backgrounds, but there was two commonalities, one of which was a strong morning routine and of which is a big part of my routines chapter. And then the second one is the really the the next letter, which is the reframing uh, mindset that is a resilient mindset that, you know, the universe is always conspiring on your behalf, that there's always opportunity in something. And that is the growth mindset is the resilient mindset. And the whole book really revolves around the idea of resilience and building resilience, whether it's mentally, physically, spiritually growth is certainly a big part of being biohacked to me is is having that resilient mindset and then lastly your tribe is all about surrounding yourself with you know the right people if you are the product of the five people closest to you like how are you choosing these people are you choosing the people that you want to emulate are you also involved in a give and take there is it really a two-way relationship and then I get into the idea of like in growth, there's actually um, Ikigai. I don't know if you know the, I, the Japanese concept with the, the four concentric circles about what you do is what you love, what you can provide value for, what people want. You know, it's this convergence of purpose. And so like Ikigai, it's I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's this Japanese concept about really living out your purpose and doing what you love and what people will love you for because you're great at it and you can get value for. So that's part of that too. But lastly, in, in your tribe, there's the idea of Ubuntu, uh, the South African concept. And that is the idea of working together and that the we, the collective is ultimately the most powerful concept. And when you look at like uh, people that are truly happy, uh, like these cultures, like Norway is like one of the happiest cultures in the world. It's because like there's a strong social dynamic. You know, people can take up to two years off when they have a child. Like people think education is extremely important. People think the cleanliness of their country is extremely important. People serve each other, help each other. Like these blue zones, you see that, that there is a strong sense of community. There's a strong sense of service. And while self-care is important, there's a large aspect of longevity related to connection and service. And that goes again back to like that concept of Ikigai, where you're you're living your purpose and you're giving, therefore, your greatest gifts, your highest calling. And so all of these things are important. And the number one aspect of longevity, while there's there's actually a really good marker of longevity, 
that is grip strength. That's a really simple one. But the best marker of longevity from the Harvard study that's 80 or 85 years running now, that's many generations that, you know, they were started out in the Boston area and they were looking at socioeconomic status, cholesterol, you know, biomarkers, the blood work and things like exercise capacity, gender, race, like uh, everything that they could think of. The number one predictor of longevity was quality of relationships. And so that's why I go into like, this is really important that you have strong relationships. And interestingly, it wasn't all just like loving, happy relationships, although that would be ideal. They did note, like, and this has been noted many times, many times throughout the years, was that these relationships, especially like with these couples, like they're not always happy. Like sometimes they would be kind of chippy, you know, couples, but they did know that the other one had their back and there was loyalty there and there was a strong safety net there. And so that is important that you feel like someone's got your back. Someone has you. Those are some things that are critical to longevity that I get into in the book. But the book is chock full of really cool hacks. There's formulators corners and then there's resource hacks. And like these formulators corners, you know, I go through like all of this like these various supplements, like, you know, for each of the, each chapter, like I have a formulator's corner, like for exercise, I get into like pre-workouts and nootropics and beta alanine and all these different things that each chapter has a resource hacks that gets into like devices and apps and, um, you know, different things like that. So it's pretty chock full and, and each chapter has quizzes and has summaries and there's about 70 uh, graphics, like infographics that break everything down. So even if you're not like a a reading person, <laughs> this is still your book. There's tons of graphics, there's tons of summaries, and it's really chock full. I wanted to make it like a, a resource for anyone, no matter what your education level, no matter what your desire to read is or not. And I feel like anyone can get a lot of information out of this. Yeah, you took the word right out of my mouth. It's a solid, very solid resource. My Reddit when I first got it about a year ago when you released it. And I read it cover to cover because I don't know, maybe that's just my habit. But like you're saying, even if you just want to pick out some information, just check out, like you said, the chapter on exercise and see what supplements you have or the the first chapter on on like the biohacking side of things, like what little fun things you have to add there. You don't have to read it cover to cover to get some valuable, actionable information. You can read it and I did. But again, you can just pick it apart and use it as a resource. So I highly recommend it for anyone that cares about their health and wellness and longevity, go check out that book, The Energy Formula. Is it just on Amazon, Sean, or, or the other places? Or is that the? It's on all of them. And I have a, a hardcover, a soft cover, the Audible where I read it, and then the Kindle, the ebook. It's on like Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, all that. If you go to energyformula.com, I have the first two chapters available to listen to or to read. And then there's a bunch of bonuses there. There's a hidden chapter on uh, natural movement. Like, so a very like primal movement, like crawling and, you know, all the data there, exercise snacks. I get into some cool stuff. There's recipe guides. There's all kinds of free cool stuff. If you go to energyformula.com. Perfect. Yeah. I love energy snacks or um, <laughs> exercise snacks, right? Or did you say energy? Mm-hmm. Exercise snacks. Exercise yeah. Snacks. Yep. I was going to ask you a question as you were kind of talking about your tribe and like the impact of having connections and relationships 
citing the blue zones, that's like you said, I think the top one or two, you know, aspects of the blue zones is having a sense of community. Um, and I was going to ask you like what happens or, or what's the fallback or the negative ramifications if a person doesn't have a solid connection or relationship or, or something of that nature. But coincidentally, I'm watching alone right now. I don't know if you've watched that show yet, Sean, where people are thrown out into the middle of the wilderness. It's a contestant show. They're, they're 10 contestants and they're just dropped in the middle of these harsh environmental conditions. So one aspect is they have to live off the land and kind of build their shelter and all that stuff. But the other aspect, which might be the largest, is the mental component because you're literally alone and isolated and they're missing their families even just a couple weeks into the to the show. So some of them tap out just because they miss their family so much. That's a good, interesting kind of case study to watch this show and watch the the human psyche and the the component of this mental health and connection and relationship because you can see how people deteriorate pretty quickly when they don't have it. So the flip side to having this this great connection, this great community, living your purpose and you see this like is living with loneliness, living with despair, living with lack of purpose. You can look at the data on loneliness and psychology like it's profound like how quickly I mean you see this, right? Like when when someone's very connected to their partner and the partner dies, then they die shortly thereafter, even if they were in good health. You know, you see that uh, men in particular were, were, at least in older generations, like purpose and what you did for a living was, was your identity. And when men retire, they don't live much longer. Whereas women, like, again, prior generations, you know, a lot of their purpose was like the, the matriarch, you know, like having the home and, you know, maintaining the home and, and maintaining the health and well-being of their children and, and even several generations, like they might be taking care of their parents, they might be taking care of their children, they might be taking care of friends in the neighborhood. So for them, you would see that like these women would live much longer because they had more purpose, they still maintain their identity Whereas, you know, these men would die shortly after retiring because they, they no longer had purpose. Again, all of that's changing now that those constructs really don't hold up anymore. But there is obviously something powerful there to having purpose, having community, and certainly another aspect of blue zones. I mean, while we always just focus on, you know, diets and we focus in on, you know, resveratrol or whatever it is. The other one that I see is almost all of them, they were, they were near water. And the other one is that they all slowed down. I've been to Sardinia four times. I have been to many of these blue zones. I lived in Nosara, Costa Rica. In Nosara, they say pura vida. You know, it's like pure life. And it's all about slowing down and relaxing. And in Sardinia, for example, it's common to have a three-hour dinner. You know, and and you don't have your cell phones out. Yes, you have wine, but think about like the psychosomatic anchor to the red wine. When you have wine with great community, when you have the red wine with a three-hour meal that you're relaxing at, you have the red wine with this incredible, thoughtfully prepared food. It's a very different experience. So, like, think about yes, like the wine could be an anchor to make you say like, oh, I'm in a safe, relaxing, healthy environment. And now that's connected to everything, right? So 
it's different than like if you were to like chug red wine, you know, at a cheesecake Charlie's or something. I don't know. Like it's a different experience entirely. That's why like a lot of these things, when they are these, these anchors, these psychosomatic anchors, it's hard to like tease all that out. Even when you are good at you know manipulating the the data like that, these data sets, but it's still, there's still like a lot of complexity to that. Those would be important aspects of the blue zones that that I've seen and experienced. What was it about the water? What role did that play? You know, there is so much power, especially to almost all of these are by the ocean. There's so much power to that. There's something transformative about that. I believe that one aspect is when I was out there surfing every day, I was sucking down salt like nobody's business. And I really feel like, yes, you don't want to like consume salt water in, in place of water, but I do feel like salt is underappreciated and we're, um, you know, salt phobic in a way that doesn't make sense. And I feel like salt is very correlated to health and longevity. You know, that's where we get the word salary as, you know, back in Rome, like these soldiers would, you know, get salt as payment. You know, it was very important for soldiers in World War One, World War Two, to have their salt tablets for, for performance. Somehow we've gotten away from this and started considering salt as bad. You know, again, because of correlation over causation, if you look at the epidemiologic studies, where salt was demonized, it was because of the um, ultra processed foods like fast foods and, and, you know, the processed foods that are in bags and boxes on our shelves, all were high sodium. But when you teased out that data and just looked at salt content in regular foods or using salt on regular healthy food, that it had a correlation to longevity. So, you know, that's one of those things that I think is often misunderstood. But beyond that, just the the power of being by the ocean, the, you know, the ebb and flow, the tides, the the pull that it has. I mean, just think about the reason we see these ocean waves is because of the the pull from the moon. Therefore, the moon has a pull on us and and we are largely water. And, you know, what does this mean? Like we have a connection to the womb. We have a connection to the ocean. We have a connection to the moon. Like there is a strong and powerful connection there that that is just almost inexplicable. And and I don't know how to describe it fully, but also I believe, you know, fresh seafood is is, you know, a great aspect to help, too. When I was down in Costa Rica, I would eat fresh ceviche like you know, every day, every other day. And, and it was wonderful. So, you know, there's so much gifts that the the ocean brings and, and has so much power. And I really feel like it can transform your mood state. I mean, what do we listen to when we're trying to sleep? It's like you listen to white noise, which is akin to the ocean. Like, you know, when I was in Costa Rica, like even the locals, this isn't just a tourist thing. The TV show in, in Nosara was to go to the beach and watch the sunset. You know, speaking of the red light, I mean, getting the red light and getting the ocean and just all watching that together, like it would literally be like a few thousand people, locals, like of all <laughs> of all socioeconomic statuses, of all you know, genders of all races would all be, you know, sitting there together watching this beautiful show that nature is giving us and, and feeling that 
the tides and, and the seeing the red light and, and just relaxing into that and knowing that there's something greater than you and feeling gratitude for it. And there's a deep experience there that's a, a rich experience that certainly I think is transformative to your parasympathetic nervous system. You know, we stay, you know, so busy. And again, like when I look at all these blue zones, they're slowing down. They're being present. That is a huge part of longevity is to be present. When we're in the past, that's where anxiety lives. That's where regret lives. You know, in the future, we're you know worried about, you know, what tomorrow brings and are these things even going to happen? But when we're present, that's where we should be. That is where life is truly lived. And quite often we're missing out on it because we're so distracted, either thinking about the future or the past or just looking at a cell phone. You know, we're not really there enjoying the life that can be lived. And so that's where I see blue zones. The, the culture is to be present. A lot of good points, Sean. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, in modern society, and I am as much um, at risk as anyone here, just always thinking about what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What am I doing tomorrow? What's going on next week? And it becomes a habit, right? And it's tough to even recognize that it's happening because it becomes a natural part of your psyche and your almost your identity. It's like, what am I doing next? What's happening next? Or shoot, I wish I would have done this better. Or uh, like you're saying, just kind of living in regret or, or what, whatever. What are some quick strategies for bringing yourself back to the present? Because just like when I started doing nasal breathing, maybe this is one of them, um, nasal breathing versus mouth breathing, it was like a whole different world reminding myself to breathe through my nose versus my mouth, but then it just became habit, right? So same thing with the present. What can we do to tap into the present more frequently to make that the new habit? Yeah, it's transforming your brainwave states and then certainly getting into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest versus fight, flight, or freeze, which is sympathetic nervous system and the in the grand scheme of the autonomic nervous system. So how do you get into that rest and digest? How do you get relaxed? How do you get present? Because when you're vigilant in sympathetic, you're not present. You're fearful. You're on guard. You're thinking, what are the threats around me? And this is a conditioning that we often have. And breathing through the mouth, to your point, will condition you to that because breathing through the mouth is meant to be a backup system when you cannot breathe through your nose. And so breathing through the nose is going to increase the likelihood of you getting into parasympathetic. And then having a longer exhale is actually going to put you into parasympathetic even more. You can build up what's called like CO2 tolerance. And that actually oxygenates you as, as crazy as that sounds. It actually oxygenates more. The more CO2 tolerance you have, the more you will actually dump oxygen off the red blood cells. Even though you would think like big inhales is all about more oxygen, which is true short term, but long term, the better you can get at controlled longer exhales and build up more CO2 tolerance, the better you are at oxygenating tissues. So, and that will, that's, a break, if you will, that will put you more into parasympathetic if you get good at it. Initially, acutely, it can it can maybe cause you some anxiety if you're like really doing long exhales uh, because you'll feel like you're somehow short of breath. But this is something to like work on and breath work longer term. Short term, like a quick tool that you can use is like doing something like box breathing. And this is a great tool. So we can do this right now 
Like literally, let's do this together. And whoever's listening can do this with me. So let's do, you can do anywhere, like let's say from a four to eight second box. Let's do a five second box. So you, and this is going to be in through the nose. You can go out through the mouth. I like actually just practicing in and out through the nose. So in through the nose for five seconds. Hold. Out for five. Hold. And then you would keep repeating that. So that's a, let's say, five-second box. So inhalation, hold, exhalation, hold. So that's where the, the idea of the box comes in. And I usually do it about three or four times. And, you know, this is something that monks use, maybe seals use. It can literally just transform you. I actually like to use it when I get on my team meetings to kind of get everyone in sync. Everyone's like relaxed and connected when we just connected with each other through our breath. Another powerful one is going to be grounding. Literally, like when we feel like we're floating away figuratively. Then literally get your feet in the ground, like your bare feet in the ground. Yes, there's all this, you know, data on ionic uh, exchanges with, you know, geomagnetic forces and homeostatic soil organisms and all this stuff. That's great. All of it's cool. But like literally just touching your bare feet to the earth is grounding and not carpet, not sneakers, but literally your feet to the earth. The more like earthy it can be, the better, like dirt and, and wiggle your toes and feel connected, feel like I am a part of all this. And if you feel disconnected, this is a way to reconnect. And that's where like a hug is powerful too. Like, you know, that's grounding as well to like connect to another heartbeat, to connect to another person. They even qualifies like your pets, you know, like just having that contact to the earth, to other people, to other beings is powerful to get grounded and get reconnected. Those are some important ones that I can think of right now. Nasal breathing in general, but box breathing, grounding. And red light. I mean, like, like you know, obviously, you know, going back to, you know, bio light and, and, and red light, it has a powerfully calming nature. If you think about, yes, like blue light is great for like wakefulness. And somehow it gets demonized a lot in, in biohacking, which is weird because it's super important to wake up. Like, <laughs> And, you know, I can tell you, like, if you're around these cultures that have, uh, you know, long nights or you're in gray weather for weeks on end, you will feel tired. And blue light's very important to get at the right times of the day. And certainly blocking blue light in the evenings is ideal. But red light if you think about how that feels like i said when i was looking at these sunsets looking at the ocean or you know first thing in the morning like with daybreak like there is like a a slow transition that's that's needed before that wakefulness comes on full steam or before that fatigue comes on full steam there is that transitionary period that's parasympathetic it's like I'm easing into the day. And that's how we're meant to do this is to ease into the day, not like, like go full steam and charge into the day. Like there should be like an easement and same with in the evening, like there should be that kind of relaxing transition, you know, before you go to sleep. 
And this is so good for the circadian rhythm. This is so good for your uh, brain health as to have these periods of transition. Um, and this is why people need like all this caffeine or need all this melatonin and sleep drugs and Benadryl and whatever, because they're not taking the time to, uh, <laughs> they're not taking the time to have this uh, relaxation, this, this switching over uh, in between these phases that I think is really important. And that red light is so crucial to that switching over. I really feel like it's a strong sense of of calmness. It's a strong sense of, of um, that parasympathetic nervous system. Like it's really a great trigger for that. Did you guys know that it's teeth whitening season? Well, heck, isn't it always teeth whitening season? Who doesn't want to have the whitest, brightest smile in the room? And not just that, but also receive the benefits of red light therapy for the oral cavity at the same time. My company, BioLite, just released our newest product called the Guardian Plus, which implements both blue light for the teeth whitening aspect, but also the red and near-infrared light for the red light therapy aspect for your oral cavity. We're all familiar with blue light light for the teeth whitening aspect, but did you know the blue light therapy is also beneficial for selectively killing harmful bacteria, leaving the beneficial bacteria thriving and well, and blue light therapy is also good for gum health and tooth sensitivity. And of course we know the laundry list of things that red light therapy does for the oral cavity, such as gum health and gum pain, infections and inflammation, wound healing, gingivitis, oral mucositis, so on and so forth. So with the Guardian Plus, you get the best of both worlds, whiten your teeth, and improve the health of your oral microbiome. Did you see the study BioLite did last summer with uh, BioStrap, Sean? No, like I, I, I mean, I heard about it, but I haven't yeah. read it. Yeah. I well, I mean, you're, you're, you're basically saying it without saying it. So we did uh, an eight-week study with BioStrap. My audience is probably sick of me talking about it, but <laughs> um, eight-week study, two weeks, where, and then they're always wearing their BioStrap, collecting the biometrics. So two weeks without red light therapy, four weeks where they were doing full body in the morning, full body in the evening, and then two weeks discontinuing red light therapy to see, you know, how long the the benefits lasted. And we were doing it for, I guess our initial uh, goal was to see its impact on sleep and quality sleep. And uh, long story short, the numbers were trending in that direction. Had we carried out the study another two, four weeks, we probably would have gotten those statistically significant numbers, but we didn't get them for sleep. But what we did get was that after every 10-minute full-body uh, session, red and near-infrared light, the HRV would go up 122%. So to your point, you are uh, significantly tapping into your parasympathetic. In this case, every time you're doing a full-body red light therapy, I'm sure you do it with um, you know, most red light therapy. But yeah, to your point, it's very parasympathetic, driving, calming, darn near every time you utilize your red light therapy device. So yeah, I mean, that, that's definitely a good one for sure. Just the way red light therapy is right now, and I think the future is changing, and BioLite's going to be part of that change. But right now, there are panels, so you're kind of forced to sit or stand for a certain period of time, which it's kind of a blessing in disguise, I think, for a lot of people because you're always on the go, go, go. So you know, doing a full body session for ten minutes is like that's a long time to be still, but that's a good time to be doing your breathing, uh, your meditation, your mindfulness, what have you. So I think. If you're to couple some of those things with a full body session, you're going to get a synergistic response, of course. But yeah, so you got some good ones. Box breathing, grounding. Did you have another one or were those the big two? No, I mean, those are it. But also like things like obviously meditation, yeah. um, which which can be like 
I think some people get overwhelmed by, but just being mindful, practicing mindfulness is presence. So this can be as simple as this. Like you don't have to do ohms and like, you know, be cross-legged and like zone out and, you know, find the secrets of the universe for like two hours. It can be you taking five minutes, doing some of that box breathing, slowing down your breath, getting present and just noticing things around you and just acknowledging them and getting good at moving through them. So instead of attaching judgment, which is the seat of disappointment and frustration, remove judgment and just acknowledge and say, oh, isn't that interesting? There's a jackhammer, you know, like you're in traffic, like there's a jackhammer. I hear that off in the distance to the right. You know, I hear this song playing on this person's radio in the car over from me. I just heard someone yell F you, <laughs> whatever. And like, I hear a car horn honking and like, isn't that interesting? If you can start saying, isn't that interesting? Like, and just acknowledging all these things that are around you. And that's like, even in a chaotic environment, obviously it's even easier in a kind of more serene environment, but, you know, just being present that will pull you into the here and now that is a powerful tool to regain control. When you feel like your life is spinning out of control is to get into your breath, to get into your grounding, to get into your feet, to get into your presence. These are powerful tools to allow yourself to feel connected and to not feel overwhelmed or like that you're you're living in chaos and things are spinning out of control. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good things there, Sean. So I appreciate your suggestions and experience because that's huge. Stress kills. And in your book, you talk about it. You know, you stress in the allostatic load, so to speak. And yeah. more now than ever is a good time to utilize tactics to reduce stress. But let's lean into your expertise here as a formulator and ingredientologist. Your presentation down in Miami was one of the few I really, really, really wanted to attend. So I, I left my booth and made sure I listened to you in person. And then you talked about the top 10 supplements you've never heard of. And, you know, I'll just run down the list here quickly, if you don't mind. I might butcher some of their names. Is it El Baiba? Is that the Baiba. Yeah. Baiba. You got Grains of Paradise, Dihydroberberine, NAD, L Ergothionine, Tetrohydrocurcumin, yes. Spermidine, Adaptogens, Parazanthin, and Dilucine. Yeah. I'm going to talk about all of them. But let's talk about a couple that you're extremely excited about or some some like new developments are happening or, or uh, just ones that you like to talk about. Let's yeah, talk. so so L-Beba, really interesting, is an exercise mimetic, meaning it mimics exercise. When you are exercise intensely, when you're exercising intensely, your body will release this from the branch chain amino acid pool, uh, specifically L-Valine, and it will tell your body that intense exercise is happening. And therefore, there's a slew of adaptations that are going to take place of, of proteins that are released, things like BDNF for brain-derived neurotrophic factor for neuroplasticity, things that are going to enhance bone mineral density that are going to enhance skeletal muscle hypertrophy, meaning like more muscle mass, things that are going to enhance lipolysis, meaning burning fat things that are going to happen as a result, like better muscle innervation, meaning you can communicate with that muscle and recruit more muscle strength and fibers when you're working out. There's like a whole slew of things that happen. 
based on this intense exercise signal. And so it's kind of exercise in a bottle, like in a way, I mean, I would encourage anyone to use it with, you know, healthy diet and exercise. And certainly it will augment that exercise signal. So you'll get more reps, more steps out of your workouts, essentially. So that's a powerful one. Perizanthine we discussed earlier as the caffeine metabolite. And what's interesting is now we're seeing that caffeine in particular, and then even two of its metabolites that have this three methyl position, theobromine and theophylline, have a fair amount of toxicity. And so 59% of us are slow metabolizers of caffeine. Also, there's another gene that's called the ADORA. And then people have sensitivities to things like insomnia and anxiety and tachycardia, all these different side effects of caffeine that even if you're not a slow metabolizer, it could exacerbate those. So when you add up these two genes, you add up the sensitivities, probably about 80% of us don't deal with caffeine ideally. And so this will bypass, parazanthine will bypass the toxicity of caffeine and its metabolites and will get you straight to the thing that feels really good, the thing that that fast metabolizers are experiencing, but not experiencing as much of and as at once. So you don't have to move through the toxic thing anymore. And for people that are slow metabolizers, they're seeing more side effects than benefits because they're stuck in that toxic stage and they're getting like the little drip drop slowly of parazanthine. And so bypassing caffeine, theobromine, theophylline and going right to parazanthine, we're seeing that about 90, 95% of people are getting an incredible experience over 25% with caffeine. And so we're also seeing it, it greatly increases dopamine where that's giving you mood with swagger and confidence and focus and this reward center aspect where you feel satisfied. We're also seeing data with improved serotonin increased BDNF, again, going back to that neuroplasticity and resilient mind, easier to take on new tasks and learning. We're seeing it decreases amyloid plaque, which is associated with neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. By the way, dopamine is protective uh, against those diseases. We're seeing it increase nitric oxide to the brain related to PDE9 inhibition, we're seeing it improve glutathione and catalase, the master antioxidant, the two most key antioxidants, and reduce oxidative stress. So there's just a number of ways that this compound is enhancing your health, whereas caffeine is omnipresent and certainly has its benefits through the years and, and is critical to our society's growth and where we are. But it's come at a cost. Like Michael Pollan has a great book about caffeine and, and it really is this compound that gives you benefit, but it comes at a cost. And what we're seeing with parazanthine is that it enhances your health that we're not only seeing. So caffeine has a negative effect on HRV and, you know, taking nothing would give you baseline HRV but we're actually seeing parazanthine enhance HRV because it's literally optimizing you. So it's really fascinating that you can improve your sleep quality. You can improve your health and improve your mental health 
and also get the focus and energy. So this is like a really exciting ingredient where, you know, about 12 studies in, we're about 50 patents filed in. Uh, so that one is is one that I'm really excited about. It's uh, the brand name for the ingredient is Infinity. There's about 17 products coming out with Iovate right now, which is HydroxyCut and MuscleTech. They're a billion dollar company. And then we're, we're also just launched a, a nootropic RTD with uh, the billionaires, uh, Mikey and David Hess, that have uh, Hess Oil and Gas, and they had the, the CBD drink called Recess, and they have like a Michelin two-star sushi restaurant in New York City, and these guys are just amazing. But that drink is called Update, and you can go to drinkupdate.com, and that's already out. This ingredient is going to be hitting the market pretty big. We're soft launching it right now with a couple partners. So that one, another one that's coming out is that you mentioned is dilucine, the gold standard for muscle protein synthesis, anabolism, meaning hypertrophy, growth of muscle, uh, maintenance of muscle, which is important, not just to bodybuilders, but just recovery. And certainly as we age, we lose muscle called sarcopenia. And it's really important to maintain your health as we age, your longevity as we age by maintaining muscle mass. And that gets harder and harder because of something called anabolic resistance, which I believe is related to glucose intolerance or insulin resistance, as well as the lowering of these anabolic androgenic hormones like testosterone. So basically your insulin resistance is getting worse as we age and your, your hormone decline is, is causing this anabolic resistance. And we actually need more protein, therefore, we need more leucine as we age. And ironically, as we age, we're getting less protein and we're exercising less and our hormones are declining and we're getting more insulin resistant. So this is why you're getting something called sarcopenic obesity, where you're trading muscle mass for fat mass. So even people that are maintaining their body weight are tending to trade off tissues and that's a big part of aging. The idea with dilucine is that there's a unique transporter called the PEPT1 transporter, and it preferentially prefers di and tripeptides over single amino acids. So while it seems like logical that like a free leucine or free valine or tryptophan or whatever would be better absorbed as a single amino acid, and get taken up faster to the plasma, that's not the case. That actually these transporters make it faster. And so the idea was that I had that, well, what if with leucine, we have a dilucine? Will it get taken up faster? Because it's not the absolute amount of leucine, it's about how quickly it rises in the plasma to signal to the body we need muscle protein synthesis and turn that whole infrastructure on. And that's what we saw. It's delivered 185% faster. The muscle protein synthesis is about 80% greater gram for gram. Um, so this is like the whole new standard for muscle protein synthesis as a natural amino that's safe and has been in your protein for years. But we're doing this, this form called dilucine where it's two leucines put together and it's a whole new standard. So that's really exciting when it comes to not only sports nutrition and bodybuilding, to optimizing things like vegan proteins, which literally leucine is the difference for. There's a study with wheat protein and whey protein. And what they saw was with 25 grams of wheat and 25 grams of whey, whey has about 2.8 grams of leucine, which is the ideal amount. 
and the wheat had about 1.4. And so what they saw is that you needed to either take twice as much wheat as the whey, or you needed to supplement the difference in leucine. But either way, that was the only difference needed to optimize the same level of protein synthesis. And so it's all about the leucine level. And so with vegan proteins, you literally need to take twice as much or take some additional leucine with them. And so that's going to be a big application here. And then certainly with physical therapy, with skilled nursing facilities and, and people that are dealing with cachexia, rehab, sarcopenia, et cetera, like all of these conditions, we'll, we'll see great benefit. And so is dilucine out on the market yet or is that something you guys are still working on? It's it's coming out where we're working with a distributor right now and this distributor is epic. I'll say like the, the, the possible combination with one of their ingredients could just be amazing. <laughs> I'm super excited about it. <laughs> like it could be a game changer. So We'll see. Yeah, keep us posted on that. But just for um, review, paraxanthine, that drink, I forget the mm-hmm. name. Yeah, you go to drinkupdate.com and, and the branded name for the paraxanthine is Infinity with an E. Gotcha. Um, and then look out for the dilucine is RAMPS, Rapid Action Muscle Protein Synthesis. But the, yeah, the Iovate, who, so Muscle Tech, they have 17 products coming out by the end of this year. Uh, that will all have the ingredient in there. And then, um, you know, Beba is in uh, a number of products, and that's known, uh, the branded name for that is Mitoburn. Mitoburn. So that's present in probably about 20 sports nutrition products right now. Does that have anything to do with the mitochondria, given its name? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, too, and, and this is actually what Grains of Paradise does as well, it enhances brown adipose tissue. Uh, activity, both the activity actually, and then the the upregulation of brown adipose tissue, as well as its number. So you're seeing increases in the brown adipose tissue cells, the adipocytes, as well as their activity. That means basically more thermogenesis, more calories burned. With grains of paradise with just 40 milligrams in a 24-hour period, I want to say it was around... 150 calories burned additional, just 40 milligrams. So we don't know like what the top end of that is, like whether you give 80 milligrams, you see twice as much, whether you, you know, give it twice a day, what you see, it could be really interesting, but this is a non-stimulant ingredient and brown adipose tissue is the fat burning fat. You only have about five ounces on your body, five to seven ounces on your body. That's literally when you're a baby before you have the ability to shiver It's what gives you the thermogenesis. It gives you that heat. And we didn't realize that this could be kind of the the holy grail, the the great evener of like why some people can eat all they want and have this high metabolism. Now we're thinking that it's because they have more brown adipose tissue. And so Big Pharma has been very focused on increasing brown adipose tissue cells and the, the idea of beijing white adipose tissue, of which you have plenty. Uh, figuring out ways to convert that white adipose tissue to brown, essentially, or or beige it. A huge area of research. And this is the one fat that you really do want is is more brown adipose tissue. More brown, less Less white. white. Yes. (laughs) And with these 10 or so supplements, can a person just throw the kitchen sink and do all of them? Or is there some tailoring based on your goals, I imagine? 
Like, would you want to take the L, Beba, Grains of Paradise, Dihydroberberine, NAD, you know, all of them? Or would you want to pick and choose, let's say, two or three to take on a consistent basis? No, it's a, it's a great question. And something I talk about in the book is like the scientific method is doing one at a time and, and really applying uh, that, you know, assessing it for several weeks, seeing what happens to your body, because some of these epigenetic changes, you know, require, you know, weeks, even months of something being done to see the difference, to have these, these new expressions and these proteins to change in your body. So I like the idea of doing one thing at a time. You just brought up dihydroberberine, and that is actually my most important ingredient, my number one ingredient that I recommend everyone take. So berberine outperformed the, the most famous anti-aging longevity drug metformin, which is a glucose disposal agent. And it upregulates something called AMPK, AMP kinase. Biological aging over chronological aging, meaning like how old you look and feel versus how old you chronologically are. And nearly almost every disease is metabolic in nature. And therefore, both of those things are deeply attached to insulin resistance and metabolic dysfunction. And we know that therefore that metformin is one of the most powerful things that has been studied. There's a study right now with over 10,000 people going on that are non-diabetic and they're looking at metformin and anti-aging. Berberine, this natural ingredient, outperformed metformin head to head. And metformin was actually recalled at one point for being tainted. Metformin lowers B12 levels and you know, has issues. Uh, also has like a lot of GI distress issues. And so berberine outperforms it. Dihydroberberine is the metabolite of berberine and is about five times more bioavailable, doesn't have the GI distress and lasts about twice as long in plasma. So what we're seeing there is this one, you know, outperforms berberine radically and therefore outperforms metformin radically, just using that kind of extrapolation, if you will. So this ingredient, I would recommend that everyone takes you know, whether you're overweight or insulin resistant. I mean, certainly if you're that, this is a no brainer, you should be taking it. But even people that are lean, that are healthy, they're seeing benefit. They, you know, there's people that have been doing metformin for 20 years and seeing their CRP lower, their, their inflammation marker, they're seeing their hemoglobin A1C, their uh, blood, blood sugar marker lower. And so they're living longer. All of their markers are better. They're their lipid panels are better. All of these things are improved by staying on these compounds. And so definitely dihydroberberine would be one I would be on. The brand name for that is Glucovantage. And it's in, again, many products. If you're going on Amazon, you can find Glucovantage or dihydroberberine in several products. Yeah, I remember you saying that in Miami. That was your that was your top supplement of the 10. So it seems like it's still that way. Mm-hmm. Let's move along, Sean. We're getting a little short on time, but there are a couple of topics I'd love for you to speak on because it seems like you're, especially of recent, you've kind of gotten into the whole psychedelics and the spiritual journey side of things, which may also tie into kind of the direction of biohacking because that can kind of give people a red flag or, or trigger a negative connotation, psychedelics, kind of break us down how they're used in a positive context, how they're safe or, or just your experience with them tie that into your, I guess, recent spiritual journeys and kind of some things that you've done recently and just share it with the audience. 
I mean, tying back to this, this blue zone concept of one, we stay in the sympathetic nervous system and we don't slow down. Two, we feel lonely and disconnected. We often feel at odds with you know, the way that media is, the way that our society is constructed. We feel at odds. You know, we feel a lack of self-love because that's the communication that's given to us is that we're not enough. And we need these things to be better. We need the cars. We need the makeup. We need the the sexy boyfriend or girlfriend. We need the better clothes. We need the, you know, all of these things to be better, to do better. And now you're looking at social media where everything's filtered and everyone seems happy and you just feel like you are not enough. And we're all on this grind to get somewhere, but we don't know where because we're not being that intentional with our lives. And we don't feel that grounded. So add all that up, and that leaves us in a place of a lack of health. If we are not living with purpose, not living with connection, because of all these things, then we're not living with longevity. We're living longer in an unhealthy state if we hack all these things, biohack all of these things. And that's what I was doing for most of my life. I was biohacking to survive what I was doing to my body in terms of the long work hours, in terms of the self-loathing, the insecurity, the loops I would play in my head about what did that person mean? Why are they such a jerk to me? Why do I always end up in all these things? Instead of the universe always conspiring for me, it was conspiring against me. And so I thought, like, why is my body always betraying me? Instead of being so thankful for what I was putting my body through and my body weathering it. That was the mindset I was in. And the, and the first time I decided to do psychedelics, which was a big leap for me, you know, I grew up thinking, you know, drugs are terrible and these are drugs. And despite the fact that I would get drunk fairly often, and that's a whole other discussion, like why that's okay. But, you know, I thought like all of these things, even marijuana was just for like druggies. You know, here I am deciding because I've heard about Ben Greenfield do this experience. I heard about Tim Ferriss, who I just mentioned before, do this experience. I heard about Dave Asprey. All these people that I looked up to were doing psychedelics, either microdoses or journeys, and they were getting profound results. And it seemed like a great biohack. And I was hitting the point where, to be honest, I was very fatalistic and potentially suicidal because of the grind that I was on and the, and the self-loathing that I had and, and it never being enough, whatever I did, you know, if I got on Ben Greenfield's show, like I needed to be on Joe Rogan's, if I got on this stage in front of a thousand people, I needed to, to be 10,000. If I got a, a car, like, you know, was it the loaded one? Was it the next one up? If I got a house, was it, you know, this house? And if I went on a vacation. Is this the, like everything was about leveling up and getting more and doing more because I wasn't enough for myself. And that is a lonely feeling. And the more you go down the entrepreneur hole, the even more lonely you feel. And you probably know this, like it's very lonely to try and start your own company and to be responsible for employees, to be responsible for the risk associated with it to be responsible for the rise and the fall and you be the one that's directly accountable. It's daunting. And, you know, when other people are, you know, off in their evenings, on their weekends, on their vacations, 
holidays, you're working, you're thinking of it, you're working directly on it, or you're thinking about it, it never leaves you. And it can break you down and it can be very lonely and overwhelming. And so when I decided to do psilocybin and go into this experience, I lucked out and did it with two incredible facilitators, Todd and Cole Whitty out of Austin. I highly recommend them, especially if you want to be a facilitator. They do something called the Condor Approach. They're great at training people now. I'm just massive fans of them because being safe is so important and being in the right set and setting the mindset and the right setting for this. Uh, that environment allows you to lean in. And so I went into this experience not knowing what to expect. And what I found on the on the experience was I went from being hypervigilant sympathetic nervous system as I've been my whole life. You know, and that goes back to my childhood and a lot of my experiences and my conditioning to going into like what was full relaxation. My whole body just went in a way I had never experienced. And that was one. Then I was like allowing myself to lean in and I was feeling loved and therefore loving myself with all these people that were there. They were just so kind to me. I didn't tell a single person who I was or why I'm important. Didn't give them my resume. They were just loving me for who I was as a person. They enjoyed my company. And this was a new concept to me that I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to like prove myself. And lastly, I got this realization that. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, because it makes me happy. I can just go a different path. Up until that point, I was trying to go as fast as I could, as heads down as I could to grind my way to success, to get to that next level. And again, that next level never came. Every time I got there, the, the bar kept moving. I was never happy. And I just said to myself, why can't I just choose happy? And ultimately, this curved path will create a very unique Sean that people will want anyway. People will want me because I'm doing my icky guy. I'm doing the things that light me up and people will find value in that. And now I'm super unique because I have, I have this marketing background and branding and I have this technical knowledge of supplements and biochemistry and I'm really good at speaking and education and you know, it's like I can pull all this together and it makes a very unique person and I can be happy. I can find joy in that. And that was the path I started going down right after that COVID happened. And I started doing these experiences literally twice a month at that point because I was getting so much out of them and I was connecting and feeling loved when other people were feeling disconnected and alone. And you know, since then, I, you know, maybe do this maybe a couple times a year, like it's a very different schedule now, but they were profound for me and my mental shift. And, you know, I was asked in this documentary about psychedelics, psychedelics reveal, he asked me, where would you be had you not done that experience? And I just said dead. And uh, I said it like that, like it just rolled out. And like, I still watch that clip and it like, kind of makes me cry because like, I I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now had I not done the psychedelics. And, you know, that's what I offer to you, like whether, you know, anyone listening is interested in them or not. Let's have them be decriminalized. Let's have them be destigmatized for the people they can make profound change in. In my presentation, I've done on many stages now, there's data from Stanford, from Johns Hopkins, from Northwestern, 
I mean, the most elite like programs in the world are showing with MDMA, psilocybin, and ketamine, incredible results that in three to six sessions, 50 to 70% cure rate, where they no longer have PTSD, where they no longer have depression. They don't, they no longer require SSRIs. They no longer require therapy. They've just moved through it. They also have done a study recently on SSRIs where they found no benefit, zero benefit. And they say there may actually be harmful repercussion for being on them long-term. You know, when we look at this under the correct lens, like what are we trying to do? Let's remove the stigma. Certainly let's remove the criminal aspect of this. Let's look at the data and the people that need this, the people that are, you know, barely hanging on, the people that have a low quality of life or might take their life, the people that are putting other people's lives in jeopardy around them. Let's get them the help they need. And I was one of those people, and I'm glad that I had access to it. And had I not, I don't think I'd be sitting here right now. Appreciate you sharing that with us, Sean. That's a pretty powerful story powerful case study and then alluding to those those studies from those big universities it seems i mean the first thing that came to my mind is of course big pharma is going to put up a fight because they're going to be losing out on a lot of drug sales potentially correct or is this something where they're going to get on board and push it forward i mean what yes. are your thoughts on that yes it's both like they, they really were like the massive naysayers for quite some time and now there's a number of companies that are that are getting on board that are not big pharma, but even big pharma is getting on board now as well and looking for unique strains, looking for unique combinations. So yes, things are definitely shifting now as a result of that. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, even just to your own testimony, I hope that's something that becomes more ubiquitous, easier to access, safe, clearly effective. So I hope there's a positive direction in the not too distant future with that. Let's just wrap up with this one question, Sean. I saw a pretty cool video you put on your your Instagram about the future of biohacking. So I'll just pose that question to you as the last one for this episode. Where do you see the future of biohacking? Right now, it's a lot of supplements and gadgets and red light therapy is one of those. Whether it's a couple of years, five years, 10 years, where do you see the direction of biohacking headed? It's really interesting. Like, there's this marriage of the future and technical knowledge you know, when we're seeing epigenetics and devices and supplements and different drugs and flashing strobe lights and what's the effect on that on us and, you know, different uh, tones of music and all these things, there's the fascinating science that's there. And then there's also this primal nature of getting back into what we're evolved from. And that would be accepting things like plant medicines that would be you know, focusing on sleep and relationships and focusing on journaling and breath work and, and grounding and, you know, getting your, your sunlight in and, you know, getting out in the forest and, and doing forest bathing and, you know, these kinds of things like these are powerful as well. And I'm seeing biohacking evolve into the incredible acceptance of the latter. You know, it started out like very highly technical, very ultra masculinized, being all about performance enhancement. And now we're thinking about longevity, about quality of life. What does it mean to be happy? Like, like let's not just live longer, let's live better. And that does involve self-love and that does involve us getting therapy 
and, you know, doing some of these softer, more feminine things that are getting us into a healthier mind space because we've been grinding and pushing and, and performance driven for so long that we're so conditioned for that. And we're not taking time to slow down. We're not taking time to connect. And so I really feel like the future of highly technical is inevitable, but I do believe that bringing in the past and bringing in this, the slowing down and the connection is going to be really important. Just like the masculine requires the feminine. Like we really need this balance. And I feel like the balance has been underserved up until recently. And I think that's where we'll see the growth in biohacking is, is in this, this feminine healing space and getting back to some of the things that we were meant to be a part of. Gotcha. I love that answer, Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, lastly, where can people go to learn more about you and learn more from you? Of course, we have your book, but yeah, let the audience know. Yeah. So energyformula.com again is where you can find my book. I'll get all those extras, listen to it, read it. Seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N-W-E-L-L-S. You can find my newsletter, a lot more about me. The newsletter's free and has awesome information every week. I break down studies, give a lot of cool advice. And then on Instagram and most of the platforms at Sean Wells, S-H-A-W-N, and you'll find cool infographics, great explanations of supplement stacks, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then of course, if there's any questions here, DM me on Instagram and I'll I'll be glad to respond and give you a, a heartfelt answer that's directly from me and no one else. Gotcha. I love it, Sean. Appreciate your time, man. As always, you know, you're a busy guy and I appreciate the time uh, you take out to educate the masses on a lot of important topics, some of them fun, some of them intriguing with the supplements, but then bringing it back to some some topics that are under, I guess, underserved and less popular, but possibly the most important. So I appreciate your message and mm. appreciate your time. I could listen to I could listen to you for hours, man. Your wisdom and your your expertise is uh, it's impressive. So I appreciate that. Oh, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate you and appreciate our friendship. And uh, looking forward to talking more in the future. And I'm here anytime you need or we want to do another one. I'd be glad to. You got it, man. That goes both ways. Appreciate it. For Sean Wells, this is Dr. Mike Belkowski signing off of a very exciting and informative episode of the Red Light Report. You guys have a fantastic week. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolight.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolight. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.